Hello and welcome to the Please Be Seated podcast. Today I'm here with Dave Shelton, who was the senior writer for National Lampoon and head of cartoons. Um, we're here to review a futile and stupid gesture. Um, hey, how's it going? Uh, so, um, for those who don't know uh, about the National Lampoon, which would be odd for them to come in and listen to a, an episode like this, but um, what can you tell us about it? About National Lampoon? Yeah, just in well, general, who they um, are. It's only one of the world's most iconic brands and companies and names. It, it's been around since the 70s. Um, it was founded by uh, Doug Kinney and a couple of other his whack friends over at Harvard, and they called it Harvard Lampoon. And, you know, people can look, it's a long history. Um, they did movies and um, radio shows and uh, the magazine, which was sort of like the um, landmark of the whole thing. And and then subsequently, you know, with television as well. Uh, so, yeah, it's like, you know, people can look it up, National Lampoon. Um, so, so it's, to it's those who want to check out a National Lampoon film uh, definitely you know go back into the 70s and 80s era as opposed to the recent straight to DVD run of National Lampoon films uh, oh you mean like you know the, the garbage pit bins over at Walmart so to get just the, the backstory with the Futile and Super Gesture for listeners who are interested at the end of this episode we have an interview with Mike Colton uh, the co-writer of Futile and Stupid Gesture and such films as Penguins of Madagascar um, but this podcast will revolve around discussing what happens in Futile and Stupid Gesture and how it how true it is to working in National Lampoon Okay and then we'll talk about other stuff Probably, there's many many Because I could, I, could, I could tell you that I saw the film recently, and but I had also seen the documentary uh, that came out last year as well, and that was so much more accurate. Was that um, um, Drunk Stone Brilliant Dead, or was that a few years ago? Uh, I thought it was last year that it came I'm not, out. I'm not but, sure. You know, I saw it on YouTube recently, but I don't because we yeah, don't but, really have them. About but when, when you're yeah. yeah, when when your head is like always in a work mode, you lose track of time. Either that or you're drunk or stoned. But um, since I, you know, it's weird because it's like, yeah, Lampoon, you would think everybody associated with it was one big drug head or party animal. And, yeah, I would party, but I could do it without the drugs. I think if I did drugs, I would probably not be able to come up with the stuff that I come up with. I think I was dropped on my head when I was born, and I think that's what started it so see i didn't need the drugs just drop me okay so um along the lines of uh fusion and super gesture i suppose it's quite interesting to see how it how it equates to all of you across the pond uh well you know basically the only promotion it got was on netflix and it you know it didn't really get a lot of publicity other than that so it, it, you know, I I never even saw that it was available in any other form like DVD or Redbox or anything. So, um, and then you know I watched it on Netflix, 
And I actually was not going to watch it because I'm not a big Will Forte fan. And I you know, don't it was think your I've suggestion. seen him in anything. I, I, I genuinely don't think I've seen him in anything. But I was aware of a futile and stupid gestures for uh, since about a year ago, um, because I interviewed Matt Lucas and he discussed that he was working with Joel McHale um, on this, and that sort of got me interested. Um, well, I, I I wasn't like a fan of Community, although I was talking to someone who had worked with Chevy Chase, and in fact. Um, He's a good friend of mine. His name is Josh Grossman. He was in Glee. I don't know if you remember that show. I'm aware of it, but I, it, it wasn't. It was just before my obsessive television watching era. But I know. Okay. Yeah, I know you have there a lot a, to catch up on. There is a Glee episode of Community. That's that's all I know. Well, that's that's kind of where it stemmed from because he was part of that and. Um, so yeah, and I worked with Chevy when I on a project when I was at Lampoon, and it was um, it was an interesting experience. He definitely it was kind of I think just before Chevy lost it, and he did his talk show. I don't know if you knew Chevy had a talk show. I've seen it on IMDb, but I can't find anything anywhere else. Oh my gosh, it it was it's probably like too scary to put online. Um, it, there, there's, um, was it Bette Midler or somebody who, someone jumped on his table and his desk and started singing weird things to him. It, it would definitely fit a lampoon thing, but I think it's because maybe he was starting to get too psychotically weird. You know, it's funny because a lot of lampoon um uh, people who are pedigree of Lampoon gone off the deep end. You look at Randy Quaid. Um, yeah, no, he's a he's a trip too. Um, but anyway, so getting back, I mean, there's so much about my involvement with Lampoon in the Lampoon world and the people that I worked with. Um, like I worked with Jamie Kennedy. He was first starting out, and he was one of our writers. So. I don't know if you knew that in your research, but... Name rings a bell, was, uh, I can't think. Oh, Jamie Kennedy what, became uh, like a huge actor uh, through Scream, the Scream movies, and then um, he did a TV show called Jamie Kennedy Experiment. Then he did a movie called Malibu's Most Wanted. And you'll have to look him up. I don't think much of the National Lampoon has come to England, as far as i found. Um, I I don't know if the magazine made its way here. Um, I think half of the films haven't made their way here, which you know debatably is a good thing. Um, right. Well, Animal House must have, right? Yes, yes. Animal House has. It's recently just popped up on Netflix, actually, about a month after I bought the DVD, uh, which doesn't really make much difference because I if I see a good film on Netflix, I'll buy the DVD. I'm still a, a right. Critical well, the DVD user. had great extras, and and one of my best best bestest friends of all time, Stephen First, who was Flounder in yeah. Animal House, uh, he also went on to do like an amazing amount of work. He was with. Um, uh, Babylon 5, he was one of the officers there, he did like a ton of movies, he and I worked together on numerous projects, he even did a dedication in my National Lampoon book, um, so... I suppose for our uh -huh. listeners, um, could you uh, 
plug where our listeners can find your book. I don't know where it can be found in okay, England. Yeah, I, I, well, first, yeah, seriously, let me uh, first mention it's called Brain Explosion, and it's a collection of all the cartoons and writings I did from my days at National Lampoon, and it's available on Amazon and at barnesandnoble.com. Barnes & Noble is a huge bookstore chain here. I don't know if you have any Barnes & Noble in England. But, it rings a bell, uh, but I... I take in so much American media that it might just ring a bell from things I've seen. I don't know whether we right. can Well, Well, there it, there it might be called Bonds and Nibbles. Um, <laughs> it uh, might yeah. have a different name. And, and, um, and then it's also available through my publisher, which is uh, bearmanormedia.com. So, you know, uh, there's also like a Facebook page or they can go to my page, snuggybear.com, S-N-U-G-G-Y-B-E-A-R.com, and they could find links to it there as well. Um, and I think, just before we get into the film, uh, the, our, the closest thing we've got in England to National Lampoon is Monty Python, uh, I think. Oh, and I love Monty. I actually yes. got to hang out with uh, Graham Chapman and Terry Jones. I have this amazing photo of Graham Chapman with Terry Jones sticking his fingers up Graham Chapman's nose. We took it at a club in New York, and, oh, it's probably priceless now. I mean, I, I grew up watching British humor. I mean, the stuff that's going on in, in England, because I've always been a big, big fan of it. Like, one of my favorite series growing up was The Young Ones. I don't know if you remember them or heard of them. I think I saw one episode on one of our, like... TV channels that just re-air yeah. loads of sitcoms. Blackadder um, and Faulty Towers and things like that. Oh, I love those. Gen well, Jennifer Saunders, who I guess was married to Ben Elton, or was that Don French that was? Because they had French and Saunders. They were part of the young ones, too. And, oh, it was, it's just brilliant. It's about, like, these four college students that are just disgusting, and every major star of the day in England was on it. Like, um... Uh, like people from Harry Potter and uh, things like that. So, and Hugh, you know, oh, Hugh Laurie was on it too, which was really funny. I even I, like, I love the theme song. It's like, can I sing this theme song for the uh, show? I, I suppose. I don't think we gain any profit, so I think we're safe. <laughs> oh, no, no. It, it's yeah, not going to be a violation of copyright. No. Because you're, okay. you're using it in the context of review, so that's... That's right. <laughs> okay. Once in every lifetime comes a love like this. Oh, I need you. You need me. Oh, my darling, can't you see where the young ones do? Battle with the young ones. Where the young ones shouldn't be afraid to live. Love. There's a song to be sung. Cause we may not be the young ones. Every song. <laughs> All right, thank you, thank you, thank you, America and England. I'll be well, appearing there like in two weeks. <laughs> um, did you do you have in the states uh, Little Britain? Because that was quite a big deal over here. Yeah, I've I've seen it. Well, we have BBC America, and you know we get like Doctor Who on it, mm -hmm. and. Um, and that horrible drunken talk show host you have over there. 
Um, which which one are you thinking? Ram yeah, Norton. Norton. Yeah. He's <laughs> so, had a, uh, a habit of guests actually, getting drunk as well. It's quite. <laughs> I actually, I actually like him, but mm. um, he throws the red chair back too fast for the people. Yeah. So that, that so, would be that would be awesome. We've been talking for a while, so let's get into uh, fusionship of gesture. Uh, what were your first impressions? Okay, I guess we're avoiding film? it because it, I, I thought it was, a, it was well produced, but I thought the the cast and the the story arc of using Martin Mull, who I actually worked with Martin too a long time ago, and he's a great and funny guy, but it it just it, it just fell very flat. And then I was reading a lot of the reviews, and they kind of agreed with me on that. You know, Will Forte did not. I think he just was playing it too hard, and and a lot of what they um, and what they kind of presented in the movie just really wasn't accurate. And then you know, it's just a. And then the uh, the person they got to play John Belushi. Yeah. Oh my God, it's one of the worst casting. I mean, the whole casting was just so off. They tried. I think that it was almost like people from the outside who have no lampoon sensibility um, just decided, oh, it's an anniversary, you know, and the and it's hot, it's a hot topic. Let's just make something and and throw now it if, together as a biopic. Now, if Mike Colton, who I interviewed, is listening, then all these views are yours, and I'm. I'm, t- I'm stepping back. Oh, I'll tell him too. This is this is my own viewpoint on it and stuff. <laughs> but um, having been someone, because you know, he was never inside, you know, Lampoon's heart, like you know, when it existed in its heyday. So, um, you know, and then as I said, the cast and having known Chevy, and and having lived in that world, you know, I. I just think I I kind of called it kind of like a a glossed version of National Lampoon. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we'll start at the start of the film. We've got uh, young Doug Kinney at funeral, and uh, we don't know much else about what's happening other than that. And then we see older Doug, which I will say I was completely unaware of the story of behind the National Lampoon um, while I was. Uh, when I got to the point of watching the film. So the portrayal of older Doug Kenny did make his death surprising uh, from my stance. Um, well, from a lot of people, I mean, we were all kind of shocked about it, but, you know, now it's become an urban legend. It's, you know, did he jump? Did he trip? You know, uh, I, I, and from I, what? Yeah, I love the idea. And his shoes weren't found at the top of the friggin' cliff. Like, I didn't like they put that in the movie. It was that that, that, that was supposed thing, to be an allegory or a reference or something. I didn't know that that wasn't a thing. That's that makes it very different. <laughs> um, I like I like the idea that he slipped while he was looking for somewhere to jump. I think that's what I'm sticking with, is my opinion. You know um, that that would be that would be something that I think would be a better explanation. Like he wanted to jump, but he wanted, didn't want to jump there, but. Something like you know, um, God or divine intervention pushed them. Said, "Okay, here you go." 
Um, but so not, not falling out of the shoes. So we see um, Doug meet Henry at Harvard, and also meet Alex, who will play an important part later on. And right. I wish we'd. Oh, I like more... that. I like that. Weasley. I like that. Weasley played him. Yes, that took me way too long to realize it was Domhnall Gleeson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that was. Um, I'm not. He was on... one of the only few people that I liked in the cast mm-hmm. that that kind of played the part well. I I I'm not big on Harry Potter, but I've seen the films. But I I love the film about time that he did. Right. I don't know if you've seen that, the Richard Curtis movie. No, I, I know it. I haven't seen it yet. Um, also, he goodbye, Christopher Robin. He was great as A.A. A. Milne in that. That was. Oh, yeah. No, I saw that and I thought he was. He's a, he's a good actor. Um, and as I said, you know, even though. Um, and then I. But I don't like that they, um, they left out uh, Robert Hoffman from this movie because Robert Hoffman was also one of the founders of Lampoon. And they they totally didn't even mention his name in it. Yeah, that's. I I want to see more of the Harvard Lampoon side of things, because we cut to the party and Board of the Rings is out. I'd I'd like to see more of, you know, between that era of sort of him meeting and then working on. Right, it was just basically kind of a introduction, and I I do like that they used. Um, Martha Smith, who I've met, and uh, Mark Metcalf, who I know, because they were in the original Animal House, and they gave I, them little cameos. I, I, I like all the name drops you've got. <laughs> well, because they were in it. So, yeah. like, Mark Metcalf played Niedemeyer in Animal House, and Martha Smith was Babs. Um, and then... Uh... Henry's accepted for law school, but Doug didn't apply. And so Doug decides to start a national magazine and needs to persuade Henry. Um, right. Which I, I, I quite like the, the the way that that sort of thing is presented, where it's it, it really is presented almost as a stone of thought, just sort of, let's make it go national, you know. Well, and, that's the way a lot of things start. Like, the stuff that I've worked on, like, my book, I had to kind of put that together myself and then go after publishers. So it's it was definitely how things were done. I mean, you know, it's kind of like that now. I have a Maddie Simmons story to tell you. Kind of relates to what Doug went through with him. Um, you know, of course, I didn't like run across and beat him up and get into a fight with him and throw him through a glass door. But um, Maddie had asked, I was a writing partner for music, because I also do music, uh, with um, Albert Haig, who is a very famous composer, writer, actor here, who did, he wrote How the Grinch Stole Christmas, all the music Mm. for it, and he was also in a TV show in a very famous movie called Fame, back in the 80s, and he was in a movie called Space Jam, with Bugs Bunny. Space Jam I saw years and years ago, but I can't remember that. Yeah. So yeah, you you wouldn't know he played the psychiatrist, and he's German. So anyway, so we were hired by Maddie, who I had known since I started Lampoon, um, to write music for a Broadway show, and that he was trying to put on. So 
um, Albert and I went, sat down, and wrote a bunch of songs for it. And then we presented it to him. And he happened to live in the same complex in Marina del Rey, California, as um, Albert. So, And they always play tennis, but not together. So I was playing one morning with Albert, and I see Maddie like four courts down. So I walk over, I go, hi, Maddie, how's it going? And he's going, oh, it's great, but I have to tell, I was going to tell you on the phone, but I'm glad you're here. We hired a second writing team to write the same songs as you. <laughs> and I go, you do not do that in, in our industry. You know, it's, right. it's so debasing. So I'm like, what? I said, you had our stuff and you, you greenlit it and you cleared it and you signed off on our songs. So I go back to, um, and, you know, Maddie is like going, well, um, you know, I just wanted to have a backup. And I, I really wanted to say something nasty, but I held my tongue. So I went back to my court and I told Albert and I'll bleep the bad word. But he said at the top of his lung that beep, 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 bastard. <laughs> and he said it so loud. Maddie heard it four courts down. <laughs> and I thought we were at Wimbledon or something, the way people talk there. And he just turned his head. And needless to say, um, I don't think we, you know, the thing is, though, in retrospect, it was kind of karmic because he never got the show financed. And then years <laughs> later, in fact, just this year, I was at a, a funeral for a little person friend of mine that I was working with, Debbie Lee Carrington from Total Recall and The Bride of Chucky, and um, she's been in a lot of stuff. Well, anyway, Billy Bob Thornton, the actor, was there because he was friends with her, and we started talking, and I told him about this Broadway show that Maddie was trying to do. Billy Bob was signed to play the lead in it. <sighs> And he he totally knew about this story, and I said, "What a small friggin' world that he now, knew all." About I it. believe to... on the lines of uh, National Lampoon and Broadway shows that Vacation has just been signed up for a musical. Um, oh, you're kidding! I read that somewhere. It's uh, not the top. I, I'm. I mean, I I don't mind musicals. I think they they can be some good adaptions. Like Heather's worked really well as a musical. Right, but Mama Mia didn't. Mama Mia made a terrible movie. And I, I have a soft spot for Mama Mia. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> admit that. Um, you know, well, at least we found out that Pierce Brosnan can't sing. <laughs> so um, that if anything, yeah. if anything was revealed from that movie, it was that. To be honest, with all the things about Pierce Brosnan singing, I don't think it's that different to Russell Crowe in Les Mis. Well, yeah, okay, but Pierce, <laughs> Pierce was trying to sing ABBA songs. <laughs> yeah, I picked up oh. a film he was in recently. Um, uh, well, whether it was a recent film I picked up recently, uh, Pierce Brosnan was in a film called Long Way Down, a Nick Hornby film, and I looked mm -hmm. on the back, and he was just credited as Pierce Brosnan from Mamma Mia, and it's like well, that's his oh, top you're credit. Kidding. <laughs> yeah. Of all the work he's done, that's what they reference. Yeah. That had to be a joke. That would be like something I would use. And stuff. So it, <laughs> it's like it, how, how to kill a singing career. It's like it's, reference Mamma yeah. Mia. Um, 
I don't know how well Nick no, Hornby's stuff get, is Let known. him get drunk on Graham Norton and then start singing, you know, ABBA songs there. Like, I do, I do, I do, I do. And let's see how that does. But I would I'll, love to go on I'll the Graham probably, Norton show. I'll probably go and see the new Mamma Mia. In fact, I'm almost certain we are. Um, so. Well, I like I Amanda Seyfried. So yeah. I've still but, yet um, to see... Was it Jennifer's Body she did? I've still yet to see that, but I've heard that's very good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've I've ordered it. It, it. it sounded... I'm a big fan of Heathers, and it sounded like that sort of dark comedy line. It is kind of like that. It's almost like... Well, it's kind of like Poison Ivy, that um, the movie with um, Drew Barrymore. I don't think I've it's, seen it. I've heard of it. But, um, yeah, it's like a seduction movie. Um, if you want to see a real good seduction movie, go see um, uh, Jumanji. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly the moment you're talking about. <laughs> you know, I'm sure your fans are going to be like, oh, my gosh, it's like totally got it too <laughs> I hope so now getting back to um, the movie um, as I said you know I like some some of the cast I think most of the casting was downright awful but um, you know to get back to the movie uh, as I said I, I wanted to really really like it and some of the historical facts were fine but, you know, I couldn't get past some of the dialogue in the casting. I mean, in the casting is what really kind of threw me. And mo mostly Will Forte and the ones that play... Oh, the, the woman that played Gilda Radner? I would yeah, never I'm have not... guessed that was Gilda in a million years. I, I, I didn't mind Joel as Chevy. Um. I think well, I know because okay. he, he worked with him on yeah. Community, and, and I they think knew he, each other. I think he met with Chevy in preparation and everything, and the, the, the mannerisms were great. Like, I, I wouldn't say that they looked similar, but watching it, I, I forget who's who. It's great. I, I forget that I'm watching Joel McHale, and I'm, I'm suddenly watching Chevy Chase, which I think is really what you need in a biography film. But yeah, Will right. Forte and Domhnall Gleeson. Domhnall Gleeson was good, but they're, they're very odd choices. Domhnall Gleeson right, apparently yeah, they didn't had never work, heard... They didn't work for me either. Because when one... heard of National Lampoon at the point of the film. Right, apparently. and one, Will, Will Forte is what, like in his 40s? And he's playing him as like a 20-year-old? And there's a throwaway the line for that, isn't there? There's a throwaway line just to cover up that, which is... Yeah, and that, that doesn't work for me either. When you have to do those throwaway lines to, like, an exposition to explain away a horrible decision, that's just covering up. It's as bad as um, Freddy versus Jason. I don't know if you ever saw that movie. I haven't. But there's so much exposition in Freddy versus Jason, it ruined the movie. Like, why do you have to explain things? Just let the action and the movie do it you know i don't want to be sat there and lectured to at a movie i want to i want to see the movie act out and by them doing it and covering up i thought it was just a, a poor excuse for coverage right and looking on will forte's imdb i don't know how well known he is to anyone else here i'd heard his name but i haven't really seen much he's in knowing it's him 
Mm-hmm. This was the first film I saw knowing, oh, okay, that's Will Forte because they blatantly said it in a line. Right. <laughs> so I, I, I've seen him in How I Met Your Mother. I didn't know he was in it, but on IMDb I see I have, and a few of his... I think he was in Comedy Bang Bang and things like that. But Yeah, yeah, he was known more for the comedy things, but... And, you know, a lot of his other TV stuff, but... Um, Apparently he was you know, in the Lethal Weapon TV series, but I... I... I've got the DVD no, of series I, I, one. I don't I, like it. Right, I'm sorry, but you know when they—that's the other thing. When they turn a, a movie into a TV series, and they just throw it out there because it was popular. In you know, fact, I, I've got I an embarrassing story. Either. I've got an embarrassing story about turning a movie into a TV series. I don't know how many of these podcasts I've told this story on, but I, I like telling well, it. I haven't um, heard it, so you could do it. Yeah. Uh, so basically, I um entered a filmmaking competition um, congratulations and i got through into the finals which i didn't expect because it was just, I, I made some sort of monty python style sketches and put them together i got into the finals which were at the house of commons in london um well and, that's kind of a funny joke itself yeah and i got in there and there were a lot of people from different like sky and paramount and fox and things who were there to meet with people and i was talking with one person about um, Heather's as a film. Um, mm-hmm. I talk about it with a lot of people. Um, and I, said, I would have bought well, Winona Ryder a sweater. She didn't need to steal one. <laughs> I think the uh, I, I said a line. Um, I said something to them like, "Oh, I really don't like the look of this new TV series um, of Heather's because uh, the trailer looked terrible." Then went home, found out they were from Paramount, the production company that are making the TV series of Heather's. So. Um, was... Oh, good. I'm glad that you said that and, you know, it was really obvious to them. Um, but I saw the first episode and it, it was it was all right. It was a lot better than I thought. I watched it, like, on my birthday, I think. Um, oh, well, then, then you, after. you're entitled yeah. to hate everything on your birthday. But I, I, you it can... was a lot better than I thought it was because it, 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 it makes fun of political correctness. And now right. it's been cancelled and they're looking for a new network because obviously Heather's and the current state of affairs with schools in America. You know, the, you know, the, the left here, not to get political again, but don't get me started, are so, so, oh, I, I can't even say that cleanly, but they're so offset about what's going on with the president you know, anyone that supports him, any conservatives, they use it as like an excuse to just go after everything, including television. I mean, look what happened to Tim Allen. And I worked with Tim Allen um, back in 1990 on an HBO special. And just to look what happened to his show, Last Man Standing, uh, you know, getting pulled off because he voted for Trump. He's now he's now on Fox now. Which is perfect, because I'm sure Roseanne's going to wind up there, too. Anyway, futile and stupid gesture. We've been on for an hour, and we've got about ten minutes into the film. <laughs> right. All right, well, then let's let's go on, because yeah. I did sit through the whole film just for yes. this. <laughs> well, I, I, I had a discussion later on in this podcast series uh, with an archaeologist about Exodus, Gods and Kings, and there are a lot of problems with that, too. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm very familiar with that as well. But, um, um, it was you know, one, one thing Hollywood likes to do is 
subjective history. It's almost like they're erasing stuff from American history books. I don't know if you've been following, but the South is not going to rise again. In fact, they're burying the historical South in all books and all teachings and all shows and things like that. It's it's a really sad state here in entertainment and in media. So, um, you know, I hate when they do that. And in Exodus, they did that, too. But, you know, like in in the mo- in our movie that um, in Feudal Hemp, it's there. They do a lot of the same thing. Like, you know, the Martin Mull thing to me just was useless as the narrator, mm. as the future Kenny. Like, oh, look, if I survive, I'm like the conscience of the movie. You know, I it didn't work. Doug wasn't accepted for college. I'm just going to skim through the next like few scenes. Doug okay. wasn't accepted for college. Um, uh, they start the magazine. Henry agrees to. They try to pitch it to several people and fail. And then Matty right. Simmons takes it on board. And so would you say Matty Simmons is represented correctly in this film? Personality-wise, yes. Uh, visually, they got the coloring right. You know, he is... But the thing is, it's like... They made one thing I didn't like is because when Maddie has not been like you notice like the guy the actor they got to play him he was gray haired from the start. Yeah. Matt, Maddie was Maddie didn't turn gray until the nineties so um, <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't like that. <laughs> like when I met him is when he turned gray maybe it was my fault but. <laughs> You but, see, it no, would have been great like to have that. recorded this and then done the interview with Mike Colton, the writer, after you've complained about it. <laughs> well, you could, I would have had you so could many show him questions. this when you edit it. But um, <laughs> no, I thought that, that was inaccurate. You know, I'm, I'm sorry he was, you know, older, but... Um, do you listen to the... I don't know if... I don't think Matty's connected. Do you listen to the current run of Radio Hour stuff? Um, I don't know if Matty is involved with that. And I haven't listened to the new ones because I, I was, you know, I have a current Lampoon story that I'll get to before we're done. Or you want me? I'll just throw it in now since we've been so random anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Um, My my manager, um, somehow this company called Palm Star is a, a corporate company and a guy named Kevin Frakes. And let me see what his big movie is. Um, now, Kevin Frakes was producer of John Wick, the movie I, with Keanu Reeves. And I, I haven't seen it, but I know about it. There's so many I need to see. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, oh. You're, you sound like my ex-girlfriend who knows absolutely nothing about film. But <laughs> You see, I, 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 there's so many films I need to see, but I spent this afternoon re-watching Vegas Vacation. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Although the, well, the it, one that it, played... It was... I, I thought that the girl that played... Um, uh, Randy's daughter was hot. I think she was like in her twenties when she did that movie. I put it on because I had some I had some science homework to do, and I'm like, this is slightly funny, but it won't distract me. Right? No, no. It, it then it basically was, I think, more of a biopic about Randy's subsequent life. But Vegas Vacation is the only vacation film in the at least in the UK Blu-ray set that doesn't have a director's commentary, and that winds me up. Hmm. I wonder. I wonder if that was because the director was embarrassed and didn't want like, to be na- part of it. National Lampoon don't really even put their name on Vegas Vacation, do they? Uh, not on that one. 
because, and here's the backstory on that, is um, Lampoon was bought up in the late 80s by Tim Matheson, who was um, Otter in Animal House. Yeah, and he's that, named definitely Isabel. <clears throat> well, he's done a lot of work. And then he sold it to Jim Jamero, who ran the, <clears throat> excuse me, the Disney Channel. And which was probably like the worst transition <laughs> for someone who like doesn't know anything about like adult humor. And then he was the does owner. That ex- does, that, does that explain the current run of films where it's just like, oh, there's a dirty joke. Let's just throw that there. Well, that that came later in the in the uh, in the sequence. It's like I started there in '92, and he had had it for like a year already when I started there, and. I got involved with National Lampoon because I was working for Tim Allen and then Robert Wall, who was in Arliss and the original Batman movie, and he's done a lot of stuff. But anyway, so I was introduced to Lampoon through them, and then I started working there, and then he, and that's when Jamie Kennedy and I met and started working together, and a guy named Dave Garrett, who wound up doing the Nanny Show later on. Uh, and then he did a horrible movie, Deuce Bigelow 2. With, I haven't uh, heard of it, and I think there's a good reason for not heard of it. Yeah, the first one was decent, but he got involved in the second one. And he was an so attorney, sort of... and he, he became part of Lampoon as part of their legal staff. And then he wound up getting involved in writing and stuff. So um, after I left... And they started getting into they got brought in a new publisher to the magazine later on at the latter part of when I was there and then things just started going downhill and they they just sold the name to any film that wanted the name slapped on their film so that's why all the movies from like 2000 and, they, and that's not even including the Van Wilder movie because that one was a fully fledged Lampoon produced movie but you know, Van Wilder's like, the only one, I think, in years that's done well. That, what I liked about Van Wilder, one, because it was a Lampoon movie, and I thought, you know, it had a great cast, and it brought some of the Lampooners back. From what I felt, <coughs> from what I've seen, it feels very Lampoon, which Gold Diggers does not. It's oh my Gold something... Digger, I'm sorry, that's, that's what I was explaining. When Lampoon started just... Yeah selling selling out their name to anyone that it was like maybe a hundred two hundred thousand dollars you could make it a lampoon movie by putting your name on it and they didn't care because after jim jamero sold it off um and what's you know this is so typical after that of modern hollywood the person that he sold the name to and the company the person wound up going to prison for like embezzlement and stuff and extortion and and it was like a whole big so that's why the name just started getting slapped almost public domain wise on every there was one with bon jovi called national lampoons get pucked and he plays a a guy who is forced to coach a girl's hockey team and lead them to the championship but um as much i've got a few ideas for films that i think would work as national lampoon films and i'm going to keep reverting back to gold diggers that film is terrible i looked at the year it came out it was like early 2000s it looks like recovered footage from a 60s episode of doctor who oh the quality that i think was terrible 
and it's I, I wish before I'd ordered the DVD online, I'd looked at its IMDb rating of 2 out of 10. Oh, it got that much? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I watched the whole film and I didn't turn it off. Either. Because you're a filmmaker and you have to. Right, so back to the film. So, um, the film, yeah. What, where, were we up, where, where were we up to? In my notes, we... Matty Simmons, we're, we're we talked the, about. Yeah, we're past the college scene. Yep. Um, Doug married alex and right. then starts hitting on mary right alex and mary looked too similar to me well yeah and uh i, 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 the I, actors, think... I didn't i didn't really care for the actors who played them either yeah i think the fact that the, the, the performances weren't outstanding and at points they just weren't memorable enough they were very yeah. similar and you know i don't know in real life if you know i never saw pictures of him with his <clears throat> wife or the uh, with the other one, so I'm not really sure if one had blocked. I'll say later her. on when they've got the affair uh, happening. I do like the thing where they did with the with the magazine thing telling about how he left how he left her. How they told that through the story of the magazine. Right. Yeah. That that was fine, that, and then that, that and level, then inspiring for the yearbook issue. And you see, they could have stuck with that and completely gotten rid of the older Doug. Just having oh. the magazine, the magazine, the 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 comic style, and like sort of parodying National Lampoon's. Right. Ideas. Oh, that would have been a much much better um, technique to use than what they did. As I said, Martin Mull, I like him, but he he was unnecessary. And then it and then at the end, it kind of ruined it too. Where and then you know the tag at the end after the credits where he's playing guitar. Yeah. What's with that? <laughs> Completely unnecessary. You might as well put like Deadpool back in there with the tag or something. I think it. I think it says an awful lot that um, Netflix starts playing a trailer like five seconds into the end credits. I I had to click off and think. Oh, I wonder if there's a post-credit scene because Netflix tries to take me out of the film. Oh, absolutely. Before. I have to. I have to like yeah. quickly scroll so I can get back to the credits. You see, no, I think first time round I didn't do that, but I was because normally I'd be like laying about watching a film, but because I was sitting there writing down everything that happens, I was right. up enough to see it. So I think that might have been the first time I saw the the tag, and I've seen the film like two or three times because I do quite like it. Just I, I understand it's not accurate. It's, it's a bit of fun sometimes. So they start hiring comedians, and I, I love the the list of names that they just come up at the end. And I, I I do like the idea of that 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 whole thing with maybe if one of you were black who could have included you oh you're saying there were no good black writers you know I I, I enjoyed that joke right okay yeah that worked because that that that, that was very that's lampoon the, that's the very but that's also the current climate yeah and then um, they start pitching the first issue and it doesn't sell they keep getting sued um, right well that that, really that, that bit was in the trailer yeah. That that I quite liked, and I like I like the thing. It was like the Nazi party. Oh wait, that's fan mail. Right. <laughs> that was a. <clears throat> um, and then magazine starts to sell reasonably well, uh, which takes Doug away from his wife, and he wants to do radio. Right. And of course, radio and Lemmings were swapped. Right. Well, Lemmings um, started it, and then there was the radio hour. Yeah, and of course, in the film, it's the other way around. Right. Which I think, which I discussed with uh, Mike Colton, 
uh, which you'll all hear later, whenever mm-hmm. we finish this. <laughs> but yeah, so I've, we discussed that with Mike Colton, and it does work with the narrative, but it seems odd. Yeah, well, I mean, it's almost like it was an insert. And it's funny, I I was looking at the cast as as the movie was playing, and then I looked it up on IMDb, and um, this is another weird, and it's not name-dropping because of just random name-dropping, it's because it really happened. Rick Overton, who played the first publisher that turns them down for the, you know, he... Did a dedi- he's and I have the same agent, and he did a dedication in my book. So yeah. it, it was weird seeing him in this movie because he never even told me he was going to be in a National Lampoon movie, and I talked to him a lot. So and, what? Just because I can't remember where exactly where it fits in, what do you think of Ed Helms appearing in this? Um, as far as as an actor, or as far as just kind of being in it. Bit of both. um, I kind of have mixed feelings about it. You know, I guess, you know, if you're going to throw in people like that, I guess in cameos, it's okay. But if I like the movie better, then I think it would have worked better. Um, Because, you know, Ed Helms was in the new Vacation film. Right. Remake. Did you did you watch the? But reboot? but I'm not like a super big fan of his anyway, and I thought the new Vacation movie sucked big time, and it did really I, horribly. I liked bits of it, but I think it's not Chevy. Out, I like, I, you know, Chevy maybe no. like a train wreck, but Chevy is. I like Chevy. that Chevy was in it. I like that he was rusty and Chevy was in it. I think that that the fact that it still fit within the canon, and. Leslie Mann worked as Audrey. Right. I mean, the cast, the, the rest of the cast, but, you know, I, um, I, I, me personally, I didn't like that. And I just. They turned it too crass as well, in my opinion. Yeah. It, it wasn't as funny. And I love Christina Applegate too, but she was trying too hard to be the Beverly character. And... Yeah, what 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 they essentially were doing was trying to make a Judd Apatow vacation, but Judd wasn't involved. Which right, but they tried to write it that me. way. Because I mean, Leslie was involved. I thought afterwards, oh, I wonder if Judd was connected, but he wasn't, and it it seems like the sort of thing he'd do. Right, and you notice like Chevy and Beverly only had little cameos in it anyway. Yeah. It's like... I... When I first saw it, I was like, oh, that's a reasonable bit. Then I watched it again, and I was like, is that it? <laughs> yeah, what was that, good, that was What it. was good about that film was the soundtrack. I ordered the U.S. import of the CD because I love the soundtrack to that vacation film. Well, the the music was fine, but, you know... That, there are three me, versions not... of Holiday Road, which is great. <laughs> oh, I play, I play that song on my guitar all the time. That's that's brilliant. I love that song. It yeah, well, Lindsay Buckingham is Lindsay Buckingham did such a great job with that. Um, I I'm always on hunt for the vinyl. I look in all charity shops to find it's it. It's not available anywhere. Not that I can I, like. I know it's available online, but it's it's still quite expensive here in the UK anyway. 
Uh, a lot of it's quite. I think there's one place you can get it online for like fifteen pounds, but it's not a website I've ever heard of, so I don't really want to put details in uh, there. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I just look about charity shops and hope I'll find it someday. Um, well, but... if I happen to find it here in California, I'll get it for you and send it to you. I'll pay for postage then. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just reverse the charges. <laughs> yeah. um, you can have and... it COD. But um, um, no, I'll, I'll, if I ever see the original soundtrack, uh, but I'm yeah. sure it's going to be on vinyl. I don't know if I'll ever see it on CD yeah. or anything. Uh, yeah, I think we've got a record player um, recently. So uh, I, I like the feel of record, but I still like for... Little Boy Sweet from the original Vacation film. That is available nowhere. Oh, like, I'm surprised. I went on iTunes. It doesn't exist. The person who sings it has passed away. I can't uh-huh. find their agent. I can't find any information of it. The only place it's on is on that vacation vinyl. And it's like I really not even on YouTube. No. Well, I think it's on YouTube. I think it's on YouTube. But I don't really like downloading things off YouTube. But I bet if I use Little Boy Suite, I wouldn't get done for copyright. <laughs> so. Well, if the per- whoever owns the right, if they're not even. Um alive anymore yeah I, I i browsed youtube for ages trying to find it uh, i think i emailed their agent um and i got no response or at least i attempted to i can't remember it was a good song yeah was... well isn't it called little boy sweet yeah i mean it, it, someone must have the rights because i saw a clip that it was used in family guy at one point apparently yeah I don't watch family guy but i've seen the clip and it's well, like the, well, the they person... must have got the rights from someone <laughs> The person that did the song is uh, named June Pointer. Yeah, some of her other songs are available on iTunes, but it just doesn't, it doesn't exist, which uh-huh. really annoys me. Well, I'm sure that maybe someone will re-release it. and You know what? If this guy, Kevin from Palm Star, um, who bought up all the Lampoon franchise decides to re-release old stuff. He might have the masters somewhere on it. So yeah, but what that's I a, would that's love, I would about... go out and buy. Even though some of the movies are terrible, I would go out and buy a complete box set of Lampoon films. Like put it up for what fifty pounds or something, and just all the Lampoon films that were made. Because if you you know, uh, would they throw in those horrible ones with just the name on it, like Gold Diggers and Puck and things? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I think if we're in a box set, I'd give some of the horrible ones a go. Was it also really odd thing? Is Black Ball's a National Lampoon film, isn't it? It's what? Is Black Ball a Nat Lamp film? Um, is it? They they you know they. It comes up on Netflix. They, it comes up on Netflix as National Lampoon's Black Ball. But the DVD says nothing about connection to National Lampoon. Then it was probably one that they just sold the name to, because what you know the ones that they put the names on that aren't officially Lampoon movies, they don't do that. They won't promote it. They won't include yeah. anything like that. It's very British, which is which is unlike National Lampoon, because it's like Johnny Vegas and Bernard Cribbins and right. I haven't seen all of it. It's another one I started and never finished, but it, it seemed decent. Anyway, the film, they keep getting sued. Magazine starts to tell reasonably well, doesn't see his wife anymore, does radio. Um, he starts his affair with Mary. Right. And uh, um, and then he Alex leaves Doug after finding out about the affair. 
the radio hour becomes successful, but stress happens, the office goes mad. Yeah. Lemmings is dropped in in the middle of this. And we've got the comment during the radio hour stuff about the fact that these are obviously actors and don't look anything like them. <clears throat> but once again, it's weird having older Doug narrating that when older Doug doesn't acknowledge the fact that he himself is an actor and says that it's just... Yeah, that's that's a that's a gimmick that's a cop out in movies here. You know, even when I was taking screenwriting classes, they said don't ever do that because that's just the cop out of not thinking. You know, yeah, I wrote that into can... I wrote that into a screenplay and then cut it out like very shortly after. I was like, <laughs> I do not want to to acknowledge that. I think the closest to a fourth wall break, which can be done well. Yes, if it's done correctly. Break, the closest to a fourth wall break I've done. It's at the end of my short film, we've kept in the, um, well, I was in, I had a cameo in the final scene, so we kept in my sort of co-director shouting cut before it ends. And I, I, Oh, that, see, stuff like to... that is fine. I mean, sitcoms yeah. back in the old days used to do that all the time, like the monkeys or um, Get Smart and things like that. The, the actors, like if Maxwell Smart said a, a stupid thing, then 99 would turn and look at the camera. You know, shows did that, but it worked. For them, doing it is just a defense to cover yeah. up that, you know, that it's so in horribly inaccurate. That there's a there's a sitcom here in the UK. I don't know how well it's known called Miranda. I don't know if that's gone abroad at all. Um, no, I haven't seen called, it yet. A comedian called Miranda Hart, and I find it quite funny, but it's 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 very sort of British humour, just sort of a woman, and from like interviews and stuff, she's genuinely like this, who sort of lets her in a child out a bit, and like she works at a joke shop, but when no one's in, she'll start using the hairdryer to blow biscuits into her mouth, and it's a very funny show, Mm -hmm. and they use fourth wall breaking well. Like at one point there's a line like, oh you have to be a good actor to get on TV, and she just turns to the camera, stares and nods, and then carries on with the scene. Right, well, see, that that, that works. works. But, yeah. But to use it, but 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 in in the movie, to use it constantly to explain the horribleness of the idea that they're trying to convey with the Martin Mull character and everything, that's just constant cover-up. I've just looked at how long we've been recording. I should probably get skim through the rest of the film in a second okay yeah let's because do that henry quits or right. it, wait no first we've got first we've got the whole thing with the high school yearbook and matty won't pay anyone correctly argue matty signs a check henry then quits doug meets Catherine, and doug and chevy visit his parents house right and um oh, and i i don't that was kind of an awkward scene too like when he i don't like che- like chevy his... is not as clumsy as that you know when he spills the, you know when he knocks over the serving set, you know yeah. in real life Chevy wouldn't do that. I mean, were Doug's parents really that against what he did? Because I'm not sure. I don't know really much about his parents' life, but I thought the the because whole it thing seems was... horrible for any parents to have. Yeah, your son's making millions of money, but it's only for a dirty magazine. It's right. Like, you know, he's, Plus, he's still, it's okay he's still, they bought the house for, that they were able to He's still an entrepreneur, and he's using his money to spend on his parents, and they wouldn't even read his book. Right. It's... That, see, that didn't make sense either, and 
um, and then you know when they're in the when um, Doug shows up stoned after been away and they're talking about Caddyshack the panel and then his parents are there and he's like embarrassing and and he leaves. National Lampoon guys are all with SNL. They offer Doug a job and well, not, he declines. The only only that well, certain group. That it was a smaller group of them. But then we've got Animal House is pitched and recorded. It becomes the greatest comedy movie in history. And over the course of it, Doug and Chevy uh, get uh, drug addiction gets worse. Right, and I have um, to say, the guy that played one of my best friends, Stephen First, who was Flounder. Remember when they were showing him? Yeah. He was pathetically awful. Also, it's like I I said to myself, you know, Stephen passed away last year. Sadly, I said he'd be rolling in his grave if he saw who was playing him. Yeah, there are. I think there are two parts to when you're playing someone. You've got to. Well, you've got to either, you know, play them accurately or make them your own. Right. And they just which, were going through the motions of theirs. Which is the problem that many have with David Bradley playing William Hartnell right. in Doctor Who. Because he played William Hartnell, made it in his own, but then now they're getting him to do like big finish audio and things. And he, he he's not doesn't really sound like William Hartnell. So it's just odd that they get him to do these audio dramas when he sort of plays him differently anyway. Right. But I, I mean, I, I, I can't afford these audio dramas. They're like £15 for an hour. So, right. Oh, oh, absolutely. And then what's with the throw-in line of um, Will Forte, you know, in Animal House, there's the famous line he uses, like, well, what do you expect us to do, you moron? Like him yeah. just throwing that in there, and he delivers it so badly. <laughs> like, so over the top. Um. So then they make Caddyshack, yep. and Caddyshack is overshadowed by Airplane. Which, you know... Right, yeah, unfortunately, opinion, unfortunately, yes, box-wise, office-wise, it did do better, but... In my opinion, I, I, I enjoy Caddyshack. A lot of it doesn't work now. Oh, I, I can I, still I, I, watch Caddyshack in Lamp. And, you know, that if you notice, that was never considered a Lampoon movie officially because the Lampoon name never went on that movie. But with, like, Ramis and Simmons and Chevy, it's just sort right. of... It was cool. obvious, but they never used the name of it because they, um, at that point, that is when Doug kind of was leaving, you know, he was going off the deep end, things were falling apart, um, the magazine was going through restructuring, so... They never put the Lampoon name on it, even though, yes, it was all... And the same people that finance Animal House were involved with that, so... And once again, Caddyshack feels Lampoon in the sense that it's a nice, fun, clean film with random, gratuitous sex and nudity thrown in at a random Right. Which, it, it feels Lampoon. And you have... You have yeah, a, it would this... work as a family film, otherwise. Right, and, you know, you still have... One thing that's great about what National Lampoon did better than anybody back then even mad magazine um and i know a lot of the guys that work for mad is that lampoon especially their movies they went after a subject that 
is known for being made fun of. Like they took a whole world and consolidated into one film episode. Like Animal House was college. It represented the college of the 60s, which also was very current in the 70s. And they made fun of that. And fraternity systems with Caddyshack. You know, the golfing world is being made more fun of now than it used to be, you know, with all the prima donnas. But with, and... but with Caddyshack 2, I only laughed once, and I don't think I finished watching it. The only laugh, which is, you know, sort of a really stupid joke, is when, I don't, I don't know when you've seen Caddyshack 2, but there's the one scene where... Oh, I, I like Caddyshack 2, but that was... I don't... There's the one scene when you've got the picture of like the family and everyone is Chevy Chase. Yes, yeah, that was the bit. That I, I, I realised. The rest of Caddyshack Two, I'm not really sure with. Isn't Randy Quaid in the second one? Um. Well, Jackie, the, I liked it because Jackie Mason was in it. But um. But the thing is, it's and what's weird is Harold Ramis co-wrote it. And and Doug Kinney used some of his original characters, but they used some of the dialogue that he had that they didn't use in the first Caddyshack. They used in that, but Harold Ramis wrote the full script for Caddyshack too, which surprised me that it didn't turn out as good. Uh, Doug tells everyone the film is terrible uh, when breaking into the press conference while high. We kind of discussed that. Right. Um, after six days clean, Doug and Chevy are back onto the drugs. Yep. Um, then Doug goes out hiking, and we have the the um, supposed suicide. Right. And then, and then the horrible the and then the horrible memorial scene. Oh, that yeah. was painful too. I wish the food fight were a thing that happened. It's such a major part to the end of the film. I was like, that's got to have happened. And then it's like, oh, it didn't. They added it in. Why? Yeah, that was just another extraneous thing they added because of Animal House. You know, you know they did that. So, Remember the food fight at the beginning, too? Yeah. That was yeah. that had never happened in the offices like that. And that was just something to add. It was almost like they took scenes from the Lampoon movies and decided to throw them in there to become a lampoon style movie, but it wasn't, you know. And I mean, I I I, I now just had the idea, you know, you could really make a lampoon of the lampoon, couldn't you? Right. I that, I that so, you could make a film of lampoon I, lampooning. Right. I so wanted to see that in this movie when you suggested I see it before the interview, and I said I am so hoping, hoping with all my lampoon heart that that's what it would be. But for me, the whole movie was a huge disappointment. So our final segment. If you had to retitle the film, what name would you give it? And obviously we'll try and keep this show clean. Right. <laughs> um, well, I don't... I, th- and that's the other name. The, the name they come with, a feudal and stupid gesture, is just pulling a name out of Animal House, like so randomly. Well, I um, I would have called it um, if well trying to keep. I'll keep it clean and stuff. Um, I would have called it. Um, and it oh. I, I was thinking like maybe an an attempt at laughter. Yeah, that that works. <laughs> that, that would fit. 
But, you know, I, I would not want to use just a line from any of the Lampoon movies just to kind of throw it's it not, in there. It's not even a massively loved line, is it? A futile and stupid gesture. It's just like a throwaway. It was. He said it, you know, t- and Tim Matheson yeah. used that line when they were trying to, you know, go after the other fraternity. What we need here is a futile and stupid gesture. And then, it's just uh, there are more loved lines in the National Lampoon world than right. That. And then the re- the reaction to him when oh I think yeah. <laughs> I think a funnier line for the title would be did the Germans bomb Pearl Harbor when the Germans bomb Pearl Harbor <laughs> I think would have been like yeah. a funnier line because that's what John Belushi says in the movie afterwards. So so ha- where can people find you on social media? Well, usually blocked, but when I'm not... <laughs> You've got an awful lot of Facebook friends, I must say. Oh. So like 4,000. You know, a lot of people say they they love my work and they love to support me, but they're afraid to make waves. And that's kind of sad. All right, so they can find me at um, on Facebook under Dave Shelton. Uh, they can find me at snuggybear.com. S-N-U-G-G-Y-B-E-A-R.com. And that is um, another kid show that I'm working on. So that's where the Snuggy Bear comes from. But there's links to all my other projects on there. You can find me on IMDb, obviously. I'm the first one, not the makeup artist for porno movies. So (laughs) make sure they they know it's the first one on there. um, Because it'll have my National Lampoon credits. And it'll have my um, Everybody Loves Raymond credits on there. I do. See, at least your name is is you know less common than Luke Allen. I'm like the twelfth one down. Really, there's that many. Hmm. You're the first yeah. I ever heard of and stuff. And then they can find me on Instagram under Snuggy Bear Kids. And then they could find me at Starbucks later. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm not going to tell you which one. But anyway, it's been good talking to you. You and... too. I'm sure I'll message you on Facebook at some point when this is out and forward all the hate emails to you as well. <laughs> Bring it on. I'm used to it. <laughs> Only if right. I'm the leftist liberals or the Tory party. <laughs> Bye. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. We've got an exciting interview for today's episode. Um, Michael Colton, writer of uh, Futile and Stupid Gesture and Penguins of Madagascar. Hello, good to be here. Um, so we were just discussing Futile and Stupid Gesture. Um, for me, I discovered it, um, I'd, um, I think it must have been January last year, I saw one of the vacation films on TV. Uh, my parents showed it to me because I'd been watching a lot of Community and they wanted to show me what Chevy Chase was like um in the 80s and i i loved uh vacation so i was researching the national lampoon brand what i have seen um of national lampoon films is great and i think it was may last year i recorded an interview with matt lucas and he sort of vaguely mentioned that he was working on the film and so that's how i discovered it oh cool yeah matt's great yeah he's the uh so Animal House and, and Caddyshack, are they well-known in England? Like um, they, they uh, To younger audiences in America, they're not as well-known, but to people in their 30s and 40s and 50s, they are still popular. 
I think it's still popular among people of those ages. Someone recommended Caddyshack to me, uh, one of my teachers a year ago. Um, Animal House I've heard bits and bobs of. I love the film, and I've tried to get other people to watch it, um, but not many have. One of my friends recently um, it said that he's going to get through watching things like Airplane, and so I suppose he'll get into National Lampoon from that type of humour. Um, right. But I've always been quite the obscure humour. Um, I suppose our British equivalent to the National Lampoon was Monty Python. Yeah, in a way. I mean, they sort of rose up around the same time. Um, so when, uh, what was your experience with uh, first writing uh, Fetal and Stupid Gesture? How were you approached about it, or was it all something you wanted to do? Well, yeah, this is a, it's actually a movie my writing partner and I have been trying to get made for uh, about 12 years. Um, so we actually had heard the story uh, about Doug Kenny. We heard it when we were in college, and we always thought it was such a fascinating story because everybody knows, at least in America, knows those movies, but no one really knew the story about this guy who, you know, died tragically at age 33. And around 2006, my partner, we were texting, and he was like, what do you think about, we, you know, we had moved to L.A., and we were writing scripts, and he said, what do you think about a movie about the Doug Kenny story? And I, sort of, my natural laziness, I was like, I think it's a cool story, but I don't know that much about it to fill a movie. This is the kind of thing you need a, someone to write a book about. And then he went away for a second and then texted me and said, there's a biography coming out literally next week. So our, our timing was very fortuitous. I'm hoping to pick up the book soon. I think the best, I think I have to order an import from the States. I don't think it's anywhere in the UK. Yeah, I don't know if they made a UK version. But we, uh, so we got the book and then reached out to the author. But, you know, to make a long story short, we didn't get the rights for a couple of years because someone else was pursuing it, but they weren't able to set it up. And then we began a very long process of trying to make the movie. Um, for a while, we brought on a director very early. Uh, David Wayne, and for many years we were trying to make it independently. We wrote the script on spec. We were going out to actors and trying to package it together. We had some funding in place, but like a lot of things in Hollywood, it just takes forever. And then around 2015, um, my former boss, uh, Mitch Hurwitz from Arrested Development, you know, you guys know Arrested Development? I'm aware of it. I've It's oh. on Netflix. I haven't seen it. Um, I think I saw one episode once, but a while back. Well, I, I had worked for Mitch on another show he did, and he told us um, that he had gotten the script to Ted Sarandos, who's the head of Netflix, and that Ted really liked it. So they were just starting to do original movies back then. So we said, let's go for it. And, uh, you know, it turned out Ted did like the script and was a big fan of that whole era of National Lampoon. So after, you know, almost 10 years of trying to get it made, we finally had a studio ready to bankroll it. And then we brought Will Forte on a couple months after that, and then it all moved very quickly. I found it really surprising, uh, the the idea of... I wasn't aware of the Doug Kenny story. Um, I was just aware of like the National Lampoon as a brand. So I found it really surprising, the, the idea of using Older Doug as a narrative, uh, which made his death seem shocking. I think I I turned to... I was watching it with my family, and I was like, is, is he dead? Because it, it took... <laughs> it just... 
So I, I think that was a really interesting um, way of doing it. Was that always in the script, or was that a, a later yeah, edition? Yeah, I, th- I think from the, the get-go, even the, the first draft back in like 2010 or 2011, um, that was in there. We Because um, I don't remember exactly how it arose, but part of it is we, we wanted to, to play with uh, the, the, the tropes of a biopic and break the fourth wall and I don't know if you've seen the movie 24 Hour Party People with Steve Coogan. Uh, I haven't, no. But that was, um, a, it's like a sort of a biopic about, um, like, Joy Division and the Happy Mondays and this whole music era. But that broke the fourth wall, and that was a big inspiration for us and for our director. Movies like that and American Splendor, and, and we wanted to sort of play around with what a biopic could do. Um, but it's interesting, a lot of people had the same reaction you did, you know, because it's on Netflix, a lot of, we didn't realize so many people would be watching it with no prior knowledge and just click on it because it looked interesting. So um, a lot of people had that same reaction of just not knowing that he dies at the end and un- unsure what was real, which uh, was not necessarily our attention, but it's kind of fun that people have these different reactions to it. Now, so I will, I will move over to the questions I've been asked to ask you before I forget. Um, I've been asked on Instagram, um, do you like chicken nuggets and cheesecake? I'm not sure. <laughs> I like chicken nuggets and cheesecake. Do you mean together or separately? I, I have no uh, idea. <laughs> I do like cheesecake. I do like cheesecake. I occasionally eat chicken nuggets, but not together. I like cheesecake, and I'm a vegetarian, so I've got no comment on the chicken nuggets side of things. Um, someone has sent me a a Penguins of Madagascar meme to show you, so if I share that to your Twitter in a second and get your response on that. I don't fully understand it, but he's been insisting that I share this with you. Um, So, how long was the process from getting told by Netflix that you could make Futile and Stupid Gesture to having the film? Um, So they greenlit it they didn't give a green light until we had the star in place. So I think we got Will Forte in early 2016. And then once that happened, everything moved very quickly. And we set up, uh, we went into production in April and May of 2016. Um, so everything happened really quickly. We, you know, it's a huge cast. And so there were all these casting announcements coming out in the press over here. And my friends were like, wow, this is all happening so quickly. And I was like, yeah, except that it's taken 10 years to get to this point. But um, It was enough of a selling point for me that you've got Joel McHale playing Chevy Chase. Um, yeah. Because as a community fan, uh, that was great. Did were you did you aware of if Joel spoke with Chevy before? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when we, in pre-production, when we found out, um, I forget, one of our producers said, you know, Joel McHale is interested in playing Chevy. We thought it was like a joke or some weird, sick, you know, kill your dad type of thing. Mm. Um, so, but when then Joel said uh, that he reached out to Chevy and he said he wasn't sure what Chevy's reaction would be, you know, depending on what time of day he reached him. But um, apparently Chevy loved the idea. And I think it's because, you know, this is movie depicts a time in comedy when Chevy was like a rock star. He was the like number one comedy star in the world. And it's also telling the story of a guy who was Chevy's best friend back then who no one really knows about now. So I think, you know, he saw that this was sort of trying to do justice to that. 
Um, There's definitely a likeness, which I found really surprising. Well, Joel brought a lot. I mean, Joel obviously worked with Chevy for like five or six years. He brought a lot to it. Like there was stuff in the script that then Joel would embellish with what we called sort of Chevyisms, just little bits of dialogue and mannerisms that he had picked up from knowing Chevy for so long that we never would have thought to put in there. Um, so yeah, he was he added so much to it. And you've got some brilliant actors on board for just like small parts, like Ed Helms being in it. I was quite sort of is it? And it, it it's just another one of those. Um. So how? Yeah. Is that it, was what... my uh, that was my favorite scene. That scene with Ed Helms and Will doing the um, the late night talk show. We we shot a lot more that we couldn't end up using, but it, that was like the funniest scene. Um, so how how the actors on board were big fans of uh, of the National Lampoon brand? Well, I think there are two things. I think one was a lot of comedians and actors grew up with those movies, and so they were kind of fascinated to find out this whole backstory they didn't know about. Um, and then the other thing was our director, David Wayne, um, is very well known in comedy and has a big track record and has worked with a lot of these people before, so that's part of it. I don't know if He's well-known in England, but he did this movie and TV series, Wet Hot American Summer, um, and a few other movies. And uh, so a lot of these people had actually already worked with David. So I'll ask a bit of questions about you. In uh, First under National Lampoon, what's your favorite of the National Lampoon films? Um, well, you know, the, uh, there's the vacation movies and Animal House are really the only good ones. They made a lot of very bad movies. Oh yeah, um, I, I was act- watching um, Gold Diggers the other day, and that uh, that wound me up. Yeah, I don't think I've seen any of their movies since Christmas Vacation. Um, Vegas Vacation's all right, but Christmas Vacation too. I never a waste of I never, money. <laughs> yeah, I never saw Vegas. Um, I'm partial to Animal House. I mean, I watch it every few years, and mm. I, you know, I always find something new and funny in it. I mean, not all of it works and holds up in 2018, but. Um, and Caddyshack is sort of viewed as a National Lampoon, Lampoon movie, even though technically there's no official connection. It's just all the the talent involved had been involved with the National Lampoon. I really like Class Reunion because I'm quite a John Hughes fan, and although I uh, he didn't like how it was executed, uh, I found it a bit of fun. You know, I don't remember that. I, I think I probably saw that on HBO when I was, you know, a kid, but I don't remember it uh, so well. Um, and outside of national lampoon what sort of films do you enjoy uh well uh i'm you know growing up uh the thing that actually made me probably want to be a writer and specifically a comedy writer was actually the simpsons like that came on right when i was entering high school and it was sort of perfectly suited for me um in terms of movies um you know i grew up with woody allen movies annie hall was my favorite movie for a long time um Spinal Tap, which oh, of course, yes. uh, which of course co-starred Tony Hendra, who's portrayed in uh, our movie by uh, uh, Matt Lucas. For our listeners, uh, Spinal Tap is one of our later reviews in season one. So, for anyone oh, cool. who's interested, <laughs> um, is that movie popular in uh, England? Uh, quite, yeah. Um, well, I most of the people I discuss film with are reasonably older than me, but among the people in their sort of 30s and onwards it's 
loved. When I went to pick it up, there's a second-hand DVD store where, like, loads of DVDs are about 50p, and I picked it up in there, and some guy was telling me that he, he can't wait for me to come back and tell him what I thought of it, and so... Mm-hmm. Um... Uh... But I think Spinal Tap's definitely influential in some things because Ricky Gervais recently made a David Brent movie that's very Spinal Tap. Oh, yeah. I think Spinal Tap is a huge influence on anybody working in comedy today. Um, so we were saying before about uh, the National Lampoon films. Did you see the uh, recent vacation with Ed Helms? I did. Uh, yeah, that he was making that right before, uh, a couple years before we started our movie. But Ed was already involved with our movie at that point. Um, I liked it. You know, that one, I think, officially, there is no National Indian no. affiliation. It's just they, I think, in fact, Warner Brothers didn't even want to use the National Indian name because it had sort of been tarnished for so long. Um, but I liked it. I don't know if it did well enough that they're going to make more, but I enjoyed it. Uh, now we have a segment on this show where we... Um, ask our guests if they could retitle the film we're reviewing, what would it be? So for you, Futile and Stupid Gesture obviously came from the book, but is there any other titles you would give the film? Yeah, I mean, that was, we debated the title for a while, and actually we even started pre-production under a different title. We were going to call it Chagrin Falls, which is the name of the town that Doug is from. Um, American Mm. Jerk was another title we were playing with, but ultimately we, we just went for the name of the book, which is also the name of a, it's a line from Animal House. But what's interesting, I would say more than half the people on Twitter who talk about the movie, who recommend it, get the title wrong, and they switch futile and stupid, and they say a stupid and futile gesture. Uh, every everybody does this. My brother did this. One of our producers does this. I think it's just something about the brain makes that sound. It flows better for some reason. Yeah, it's it's such a passing line in Animal House as well. It's quite interesting that that was chosen for the book. It, yeah, and I think, you know, it has some thematic resonance for sort of looking at Doug's career on a and, and life on a big-picture level, and, you know, his, his writing comedy, Futile and Stupid Gesture, was his life a Futile and Stupid Gesture. So that's some of the themes the movie plays with. So in um, the, there is a moment in, um, in Futile and Stupid Gesture wherein you've got the screen rolling all the things that you've had to change. I, I didn't sit down and pause it, because that's very complicated with Netflix. Um, so what what were things that you had to change to make it better? Well, if you look online, someone posted on Twitter, did screenshots of it, so you could probably find it. Um, a lot of it was just, you know, this is actually the first movie we had written that was based on a true story, and you just find that no one's life makes for a sort of tidy two-hour movie, so there are changes you have to make. A lot of them are just about structure and timeline, so there are things in the movie where, you know, certain things are out of order, you know, nothing that's a huge deal, but, like, in the movie, we rearranged when they did the stage show first versus the radio show, just because it worked better with the structure of the movie we were telling. And then there were individual things, like certain things actual people said in real life we gave to other characters, just because it made more sense at the time uh, in the movie. So there's a lot of just cheating you do when you make a movie. That's just, it sort of has to happen that way. Um, the food fight in the end, is that added, or is that something that happened at the funeral? That That is added. That did not actually happen. I mean, there are reports about the funeral that there were, you know, 
a lot of jokes and all these funny people. Um, but there was not a food fight, but we thought given we had other food fights in his movies and at, uh, his college years and on the set of animal house, we thought it was a good way to sort of, it's sort of a wish fulfillment thing of like Doug's spirit pervading his own funeral. So what do you personally, uh, well, how do you personally think that Doug died to go bleak? Well, yeah, I mean, I think there's no way we will never know for sure. Um, but I'm lean toward the suicide uh, story. Um, I think, you know, the truth is, if, if I thought it was an accident, I don't know that I would have been as passionate about the movie. I think it's sort of, um, to me, that that's why I think the story is so interesting. Um, there are certain clues. I mean, just sort of what he, his behavior, what he wrote in the hotel room, the fact that he took his shoes and glasses off and placed them down at the top of the cliff. However, um, my writing partner actually went to Hawaii last year and went to the the cliff that he died at and said, if you were planning to jump off a cliff, this is not what you would choose. Like, it just is. It's not like a very sheer drop. It's um, and and Will Forte said the same thing when he went there. So, you know, who knows? He may have been on drugs at the time. We'll never actually know. I, I do. I, in, I do like the comment that he slipped while looking for somewhere to jump. I think that's... Yeah, I love that. That was uh, attributed to Harold Ramis in a magazine article. But I also there's a documentary about the National Lampoon where it's attributed to Chris Miller, the co-writer of Animal House. So we're not 100% sure who said that, but I, I, I think it was I think Harold. I've seen the documentary. There been several. It's on Netflix, it's on Netflix I, too. I think it's still on. called Drunk Stone, Brilliant Dead. I, I recommend that. Yeah, too. I've seen it on YouTube because I don't think it's on the UK Netflix. Oh, okay. Um, um, so, one of the questions I was asked, uh, Robert asks, is this a question? That's... that's that's his question? Yeah. I think the answer is yes. I'm going to go ahead and say yes. Um, and so, I just noticed you've been saying you're writing partner, but you haven't given the name. Who Who is it who was your partner? I've oh, do I have to name him? Blank. Do I have to name him? Sure. Uh, his name's John Abood. He, I've been writing with him for years. Um, and I suppose uh, several people uh, will know you a lot better for Penguins with Ma- uh, Penguins of Madagascar. So how did that film come about? That one, um, we it was already in production when we came on because that was those obviously are the characters from the Madagascar franchise and they had their own TV show and so they were developing a movie for years and then we came in in 2012 when they were having trouble with the script and wanted to go in a different direction and then we got hired for the job. And ended up working on it up until its release. So we were on that project for almost three years because uh, animation just takes forever. Um, but it was fun, and, and that was since then we've done a bunch of animated projects and family projects. So um, it was it was very it was long, but it was fun to do. I believe the meme that I was told to send you has come across to your Twitter. Um, I oh, don't know I... how easy it is for you to. I can't access it right now. I use this. Uh, yeah. In order to get writing done, I use this uh, program called Freedom, which blocks my social media for a certain amount of time. So I'm actually uh, blocked using Twitter until it uh, elapses. That makes I, hi- that I highly fun. recommend this software to all writers if they ever want to get anything done. Uh, yeah, so do you have any advice for screenwriting? Because I am a, a film study student. I've made a couple of little short films. Sure. 
Okay, you're way ahead of the game. I mean, I didn't start. I didn't write my first movie script till uh, I was probably uh, 27 or 28. I was a journalist for a while after college. Um, but anyway, you know, the first I, you know, 10 scripts, the first few years writing, they're going to be crap. I mean, it takes a long time till you kind of discover your voice. So don't get discouraged. You know, it's going to take many years till you feel confident, even confident enough to show it to other people. But it, you just you learn by doing. Is there anything you would change uh, now after it's um, now? Now, of course, it's out. Is there any anything you look at it now and think, oh, I wish I'd written this differently? Or um, there's a couple lines where you know, ultimately, the producers have final cut and everybody has a say, but. There's a couple lines I would have gone a different way, but I, you know, I, I like 95 percent, 98 percent of the movie. So, so how, how much? Of there's a couple, right. uh, there's a couple shots of uh, some wigs that didn't come out as well as we had hoped, but overall, I think uh, I'm very happy with it. How much were you about during it being recorded? Because of course, it uh, writers aren't always around on set. While, right. While uh, this case, I we were executive producers as well. That we we sort of. Uh, insisted on that in the contract so we were actually involved throughout which was great um it was basically us our director and then two producers peter principato and john stern were the key creative team but you know david david wasn't as consumed with the kind of historical historical accuracy as we were so he definitely deferred to us on a lot of creative decisions about production design or costumes or what have you, you know, props, like, he liked to keep us handy to sort of help out, so that was great. And uh, what projects have you got coming up? Um, working on a bunch of things, nothing that will come out anytime soon, but some animated projects. Uh, we are working on a, another True Life uh, movie idea that's actually about, it's a sports comedy set in the 1870s, so we'll see if anyone <laughs> wants to bankroll that. Um but yeah, a bunch of a bunch of TV and film projects that hopefully will be made soon. Uh, was Future and Super Gesture continuously postponed, or was it just that there were um, the dates were wrong? Because I'm pretty sure it was 2017 originally on IMDb. Uh, we didn't know. What happened was we actually had a, a delay that was already always scheduled because David Wayne, our director, we shot the movie. He did his director's cut, but then he had to go shoot the second season of his Netflix show, Wet Hot American Summer. So we basically shut down for six months and then came back to finish the movie. But it was always scheduled because it was all for Netflix. Um, and then we didn't know when we were going to come out. We were hoping 2017, but then we got into the Sundance Film Festival, which is January 2018. So Netflix decided, let's let's put it on the service right after Sundance. So that's how that happened. So where can people find you on social media? Uh, my Twitter is at Mike Colton, M-I-K-E-C-O-L-T-O-N, and that's where I am mainly. I have an Instagram account, but I don't um, use it that much, so Twitter's the best place. For me, they can find me on Twitter at Llama underscore Bottle Zero. Uh, they can find me on YouTube with Bottle O Productions for short films and podcasts. Uh, you can find the podcast on Facebook, Please Be Seated, or Twitter, excuse the pun, at Please Be Tweeted. <laughs> Yeah. But it's, it's awesome. Let's just talk with you. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Bye.